Welcome to Board Games Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. This is Anthony. And this is Jason. Hey, who let you in here? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I was social distancing. I'm quarantined. I'm, I'm going crazy. I need connection. <laughs> help me. Help me. Help me connect with the board gaming universe, guys. I, I, I need it. <laughs> That's what we're here for. We're dragging you out. We're dragging you out, man. Get away from oh, the kids. Oh, this is so much better. Thank you, guys. <laughs> As you hear, we are joined by our friend Jason from Every Night's Game Night. And this is episode 267, our friend's favorite games. Jason Perez talking about Pandemic. Oh, it's man. more than something that's destroying the earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game? Oh, man. Okay. I saw that movie. It didn't. It, I mean, I guess it ended well, but a lot of stuff got destroyed. It's not board games coming to life. It's never good. So this is not a discussion about COVID. I, I mean, I see pandemic and Jason on the episode. So I thought that was what this was going to be. But clearly board game related. There is some sort of cardboard version of what we're going through, Jason. Yes. <laughs> Since uh, 2008, I got into a pandemic in like 2012. 2013 somewhere around there and i have not looked back it is my favorite game it is my favorite game forever uh if you follow my content uh on every night is game night uh you will know uh i have a podcast that is a sister of board gamers anonymous uh thank you very much anthony for doing the hosting and being all cool uh and so yeah we do you know a lot of a lot of stuff the games that i like solo cooperative and pandemic whenever i could talk about a new pandemic version or pandemic just kind of as a as a concept uh, I did a video, uh, top 10 pandemic games. Yes, there are 10 of them, Chris. 10 very different pandemic games. Seriously, Jason, if you could Jumanji this and end, end one of those 10 games that you have open, maybe we can kind of move on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know what? I was actually watching your video for that the other day, and it was, it's pretty good. So good job. Well, thank you. But the Rising Tide one, I, I didn't realize that one of the the guy who kind of jumped in as the co-designer on like the special editions or the other co-designers is one of the splatter guys. Yes. So now I have to get that. So look what you've done, man. You made me buy another pandemic game. I don't need more pandemic games. Uh, yeah. So I did a video for the One Stop Co-op Shop, uh, which is a YouTube channel covering co-op games, uh, top 10 te pandemic games. I did it in response to what was going on. I noticed that there were a lot of people, more people playing pandemic nowadays for obvious reasons. And we're going to discuss why uh, in, I guess, in our a major discussion topic episode, but I, I jumped on and made the video just to kind of answer people's questions about like, okay, which ones are good? You know, how do they play? So I was like, okay, I need to do video and I haven't done video before. And I think it came out good for my you know initial voyage and we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I'm making a lot of content. I'm, I, I re-fired up the podcast. We're doing weekly episodes of Every Night is Game Night. Uh, and yeah, and pandemic, 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 the game. <laughs> We're not going to talk about COVID here. Just in terms of why this thing now this thing is happening now is kind of putting that game into the forefront and if you're not playing it the sales are telling us that pandemic is much more popular than it, than it has been yeah 100 percent. yeah and like like you're saying we don't i think feel like we probably all three of us talk about what's happening in the world all day long we're talking about board games today and we're talking having to be talking about a board game that somewhat tangentially relates to what's happening in the world right now so i I find that fascinating personally. We'll get to why and all that later, but I thought it'd be a pretty fun conversation. Uh, all things considered <laughs> what's going on out there. Yeah. At the very least, if you have a takeaway from the whole thing, play pandemic, don't go out in the pandemic. <laughs> yes. Stay use, inside. Use the game pandemic to keep away from the actual pandemic that is happening. <laughs> yes. All right, Anthony. So we have a lot of other stuff that's going on with the podcast. You have a little bit of a tournament that's going to be starting up. Yeah. Yeah. We got a, a few different things to talk about, actually. Um, first thing I wanted to mention is we did have a winner for our March Gamer Madness contest. We finished that up last week. Uh, Mike was the closest. He picked Gloomhaven to come out on top um, and got more of the other picks right as well. So Mike has actually been very generous and has decided to donate his prize to charity. So we'll, we'll announce um, in a future episode like where that's going to go. I'm probably going to be doing some additional work on our end as well. So um, thank you, Mike. Fantastic. Appreciate you and everybody else who participated. All your generosity as well, especially in this time of need. Because of that, and because I like giving stuff away, and we didn't necessarily give a game away um, through that contest. Uh, definitely doing some good work there, though. 
I figured, why not have a board game tournament? And what better way to do that than online where you can't see anybody? So uh, we are all, of course, in our homes right now. And there are tools online. I've been doing a lot of this online play. Personally, I've used most of them at this point in the last two weeks. Yukata, Tabletop Simulator, uh, Tabletopia, Board Game Core, Sloth Ninja. Didn't know that was a thing, but played on there now. But the one I've used the most is Board Game Arena, which is probably the better implementation of games that will actually run the rules for you and has some nice premium features, some cool statistics at the end, and they have a tournament feature. So I'm going to be setting up a tournament, a BGA's BGA tournament, and we're going to be playing through Takedo. Uh, the way that's going to work is starting on April 8th, we're going to have everybody pair off. We're aiming for 16 people in the tournament. So um, I'll be putting up links this week so you can register. It, you don't have to be a paid user on Board Game Arena, but it does help because of their like user bandwidth issues right now with everybody being at home. And um, yeah, you'll be able to hop in there and whoever wins the overall tournament will win a game. So if you're interested, feel free to hop on. We're not going to be doing these live because it's I think it's just too hard to coordinate everybody, but we will have asynchronous play and we'll be requiring a fair number of moves every day. So you'll need to be at your computer throughout the day to be able to take your turn. But it's Takedo, so it's nice. It's relaxing. It's soothing. It's not what's happening right now in the world. So specifically chose a game that'd be relatively light and easy, but also just relaxing and nice. So if you are interested in that, hop on. Um, it's really easy to sign up, and um, I'll make sure the link is all the places you need it to be. So yeah, looking forward to this. If it goes well, we'll probably do another one afterwards. All right, so that's what's going on with BGA. Anthony, let's get into what's going on with our listeners. What's our question of the all week? All right, question of the week this week. How is everybody coping with the extended alone time? So <laughs> specifically being alone, not being able to go out and engage with people. We asked everybody how they're playing games online a couple weeks ago, and I just listed off a whole bunch of them. If you are a member of the BGA Slack, you can find a bunch of stuff there. Like we're trying to gather and, and coordinate with people. I'm actually playing a couple of games right now uh, with listeners online. But right now, as we speak, is that what you're talking about? Like, like the turn-based thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at this very second, while I'm talking to you guys, I'm also taking turns in three different games. I'm not winning any of them. <laughs> <laughs> you can. That, that's a thing that people do. Yeah, no, not me. No, no, no. I, they are all asynchronous. I, I just, uh, it's probably too many games I have going on right now, but it's fun. It's just fun to engage with people and, you know, hop in and take a turn, say hi, keep those things top of mind. But of course, people aren't just playing board games online because a lot of us are now working remotely, working from home. That's a lot of time in front of a computer screen and board games are supposed to be an escape from that. So I was asking everybody, what hobbies or activities are you using to manage your time inside right now? So anything you're revisiting after a long time, that kind of stuff. Gary mentioned Counter-Strike Go uh, with a friend who's equally locked down. Uh, his wife has compiled a list of woodworking projects to be completed. So <laughs> getting to work um, in his spare time now. Uh, Scott mentions he's working on a board game design that's been percolating for a while, um, doing some chores, just trying to keep up with everything. Uh, Eric says he's been taking additional bike rides, working on the house, uh, catching up on his reading. Um, his wife is learning the banjo. So <laughs> there you go. I guess what we learned from this is people's wives uh, and partners are doing much more than us, the board gamers, in terms of <laughs> expanding their horizons. Martin says he's playing a lot of video games he hasn't touched in a long time and reconnecting with people he just hadn't seen since he moved. Michael is making everybody jealous by talking about how nice the weather is in Phoenix. So he's been gardening. And we had a couple people mention like setting up home gyms and trying to get some more exercise done at home. I personally, not a lot of these things. I've been trying to read more um, because that's just the thing I'm bad at. And kids, dude, does anybody out there have kids? And can anybody say I'm spending more time with my kids and it's driving me crazy? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's hard because, you know, what? yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. We don't have to. There's two of us on here. Um <laughs> It's too hard. It's so hard. <laughs> Childcare. Oh my god. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if you have kids and you're all stuck at home together, you know what's going on. You're, if you're older, you're trying to figure out how to keep them learning. If they're younger, you're just trying to stay alive. So <laughs> I've got one of each. I know you have both younger. So yeah, God bless, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what, ha- that's what I get for waiting until I was like 38 to have a kid. Don't do that, guys. <laughs> if you're 20 up there, just get him out of the way. <laughs> and, and there's plenty of time now so uh, people aren't mentioning how that we're gonna have like a big baby boom in, about, in december yeah we are yeah. i know right crazy <laughs> talk about the uh healthcare system kind of blowing up that's definitely gonna be a, a thing that's <laughs> gonna, gonna be in december. all these pregnancies <laughs> oh man oh what about I'm working at home for the first time. I work again as I work at a college, so I'm working with a lot of students that obviously are dealing with the challenges of the world kind of going upside down, but also trying to figure out where their future might be when this all kind of wraps up. So it's definitely a challenging experience for a lot of people out there. And what I've been trying to do in my free time is trying to again, I think what Anthony mentioned earlier about reconnecting with people that you don't talk to a lot. I think in particular, we all have those online people on Facebook that, oh, oh, they're a friend. I did a thing. We played a game together. And then you don't really talk to them ever again, other than the occasional Facebook happy birthday. So I guess that's been the majority of my time. Uh, Online board gaming, of course, BGA, the arena, uh, board game arena, not board gamers anonymous. But one day we'll one day we'll we'll kind of co-op on that situation. But yeah, so some gaming on there, and I'm planning to just go through my collection a bit. I think that's always part of the fun, just to see what you have there and, you know, reorganize for the fun of it. So uh, I guess that's been about what I've been up to. All right, so that's everything from our listeners. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are diving deep into one of our friend's favorite games. This week, Pandemic with Jason. So Jason, you are the pandemic guru of gurus, so to speak. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Pandemic for those two or three people out there who haven't played? <laughs> it's, it's way more than you think. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny because I'll I'll teach. I love cooperative games. Love cooperative games. You listen to every night's game night. You are going to get a ton of cooperative game coverage. Uh, and I there's a lot of cooperative games that take the basic Pandemic concepts. It maybe if not like the game itself, but like the concepts of you know you have a board, you 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 have meeple. They go from space to space and they do things. There's many many games like that. So then every once in a while I'll take the I'll take one of those games like a horrified or a Burgle Brothers and I'll take it to a game a game place and I'll teach it and I'll be like okay this game is a lot like Pandemic but it's different in these ways and you'd be really surprised at the amount of people that go I haven't played Pandemic what what Pandemic and I a little part of me dies inside because <laughs> <laughs> it's not even really like a just a game anymore it's like a system right it's a mechanic yeah. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so I mean, it, it, it's it's to that level where it's like there, there's no other game in the world where it's like I haven't played it. Either I die inside, or like if I see it, I'm like, let's say I'm in a game place, I just rip it off the shelf. Like, okay, forget what I said. We're playing Pandemic right now. Uh, that's that's just uh, the move that I do. So, I, I don't mean I don't know. Like, where do I start? <laughs> I mean, I've been playing Pandemic for a long time. It's like, I feel like it's the ultimate cooperative game. It's the ultimate solo game. The big criticism that people have is that, you know, it's basically a solo game. You know, you get that one person that kind of boss you around. And we could talk about that in a little bit because I have some feelings about that. But just kind of, you know, I mean, it's the, I love it because it is pure cooperation, right? And the, like, there isn't this, like, you know, these barriers. Like a, a lot of times that people put in these kind of artificial barriers to make it quote unquote a game or to kind of accomplish a thing. It's like, you know, in pandemic, this game is hard and the table, if everybody's kind of working together, has to, has to cooperate, has to have that kind of like, you know, above the table, you know, what are you seeing? What am I seeing? And like, you know, when it's good, everybody's contributing and everybody's on the same page and you know, you're doing your thing. And so like, that's the above the table that I love. And then at the table, it's a puzzle and I love puzzles and it's a movement puzzle and the different pandemic variants kind of change up the puzzle, change up the elements, but they retain that basic sense of movement puzzle. So it's like, I have to go here. I need to meet you here so that we can trade this card. Uh, you know, I have to, I want to do this. I want to accomplish, you know, uh, there's cubes and like there's disease ravaging all over the place. I have to take care of this. But if I go there, then I'm out of position. 
and I can't make a cure, which is, you know, kind of how the long-term goal of the game. So there's so many little just like pushes and pulls and, you know, just like mechanical opportunities to cooperate and just, I mean, how much, how much longer do you want me to go on? <laughs> I can go on a long time about why I love this game so much. Just so, from a mechanical perspective. So you, you're going to have to stop me. Just hose me down, Chris. Well, as you mentioned, Jason, and I think Anthony also talked about this too, Pandemic is a very big game. It's It's been out there a lot, and there's been a lot of iterations of it. And as Anthony mentioned, there's also a way that Pandemic is more than a game. It's been a mechanic, and it's been further refined and perfected, if, in my mind, as far as Defenders of the Realm. But, you know, we don't have to talk about it in this episode. So you, okay, we can <laughs> but, uh, we can save it towards the end because I don't want to derail this thing. But you are nuts if you think that <laughs> you are NVTS nuts if you think that that the Defenders of the Realm perfects anything. Good God! Sure it does. Sure it does. But we don't have time for that. So you were mentioning pandemic. So obviously it's a board game about dealing with a global pandemic that's spreading throughout the board using cubes to kind of. Uh, you know, show where the virus is spreading and overflows, not just one virus, but multiple viruses. And there's a card mechanic that basically sets up where the virus, you know, populates and how it spreads and how it overwhelms. And you're basically trying to fight that deck throughout the whole game. And as you mentioned, you're doing as a co-op. So everyone has a special role and that special role allows them to do different things and gives them like a one special power. But only by cooperating with all the different special powers can you reduce and basically everything that's going on right now. You're kind of reducing the virus down to a, a way that's it's manageable and then hopefully curing the virus. But that's just pandemic the board game. Now you're claiming that there's more versions of this, which all I know again is that there's one perfect version, but go ahead and tell us about these other so-called inferior versions <laughs> they are not inferior versions i enjoy uh eight of those versions greatly uh, <laughs> uh you, so i did i mentioned this before but i did make a top 10 pandemic games video for the one-stop co-op shop so it, it, they're fully on this place so, like you can have um there's one that's based on the cthulhu mythos because whatever you know cthulhu just it gets in, gets itself all over the place uh and for a while there they were making uh historical versions that were coordinated with the pandemic world championships. So then they'd have like a world championship in whatever uh, country and they would make a pandemic game to kind of commemorate that. So pandemic in Spain was a pandemic Iberia, pandemic in the Netherlands was pandemic rising tide, et cetera. I don't know if they're going to continue with that because of sales. I think like if that's, if there's any indication like this year's pandemic is like pandemic hot zone, which is basically stripped down half hour family friendly pandemic. So I have a feeling that that's what we're going to get. In terms of like different versions, kind of moving forward, just you know, more sales. But yeah, I mean, they like I like I was saying before, like each pandemic is a movement puzzle. Like you know, how do I uh, you know, go between the short term and the long term? There's a crisis in front of me, and I need to move my pawn to take care of that, or I have to keep in mind the larger goal. So like, if you're in rising tide, you're building dikes so that you can kind of beat back the. Uh, water. And if you're in fall of Rome, you are making treaties or alliances with the barbarians, the disease cubes of barbarians, and they're kind of invading Rome and they have this movement thing to them. So like, you know, how, do I defeat barbarians like right there in front of me? Or do I try to build up cards so I can kind of quote unquote make alliance with them? So that short term, long term, I don't, it, it plays out differently every single time, but at least you get that, that core tension, which is what unites all the games. And I mean, I, whatever, they, whatever they decide to come up with, I'm there. And we haven't even mentioned Legacy. So uh, you guys have talked about Legacy on BGA before. I think it's th no question that Pandemic Legacy Season 1 is probably the best version of Legacy. Like a lot of other games have tried it and a lot of them have kind of fallen on their face. I think Pandemic Legacy did it the best. I don't, I don't know what you guys think. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've played almost every legacy that's out there at this point except maybe betrayal but i'm not a betrayal fan and from what i've been told if you're not a betrayal fan there's no point right um so i haven't really bothered with that but i played through all of the originals or at least part of them i played through queensdale i played through charterstone i played through part of seafall i, I guess <laughs> I of seafall. that's a yeah, good thing <laughs> yeah there's no reason to finish that the pandemic legacy <laughs> pandemic legacy season one was just like 
astoundingly good. It was such a good formula. And it was the game that made me realize that the only real way to do legacy anything successfully, in my opinion, anyways, is to take a base formula that's very sound and has been around and been tested like a pandemic um, or like a risk or I guess like a clank, although I haven't played that one yet. And build it's okay. on that. Plank like iterate. Is it, it's, yeah. So that's it's, what I've heard. It's not a it's, bad one. It's, it's clank. It's like, it's, it's clank with like a little tiny wrinkles over and over again. And that's what legacy. Okay. So legacy could go wrong both ways. Like it could either just be a bunch of games that are the same. It's just strung together. And that's not, I'm not excited about that. Or it's this kind of like overwrought thing that tries to do too much, which is the sea the seafall thing was like, there was just too much going on. Uh, these games are too long. Pan- Pandemic Legacy gave you that 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 middle. It hit that that nice sweet spot where it's like simple games. Like Pandemic is simple. Like I mean, you could teach it in very short order, and any game will get it. And then they were able to kind of layer on top of it enough to kind of keep things interesting. Kind of that propulsive narrative. Okay, we're going to add this piece now, and it fits into the narrative this way. But you're still doing kind of the same basic things. They were able to kind of like hit that sweet spot. Pandemic's Legacy Season 2, I liked it, but it wasn't as popular because I, I don't think for a lot of people it it did a, it, it kind of went towards that more complicated than I want in, in a way. So I'm, I'm eager to see if they kind of pull it back for Season 3 and uh, give us a little bit more of that core experience. Yeah, that's coming this year, right? I mean, I don't know what's coming this year. <laughs> well, it was supposed to come this year, right? <laughs> it, is, it, is, it, is a, it is manufacturer ready at this point. So we'll yeah. see what actually happens with it. I wonder, in fact, actually, if it's going to be delayed because of the pandemic, yeah. not just because of the production issues, but it might be a sensitivity situation. And I guess that gets yeah. to, uh, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that because it gets to like that question that you initially asked when you wanted me to come on was like, why are people playing this now? And you you can go kind of two ways with that. Like, I mean, so I posted my video and there was a comment and I think that, you know, I posted a video and I got a lot of thumbs down early. I was like, what? Mm. (laughs) you know and it kind of it's like okay so when i posted it like when i first made the video it was at this kind of in-between point in the covid outbreak where like it was a thing and it was in washington and it wasn't like these other areas but it wasn't like hitting the world yet it wasn't hitting in america you know it wasn't all over the place it was like in the news but not in your life so i think at that point at that very narrow point people were like i saw these think pieces like you mentioned uh or you linked uh, that the Times article that Matt Leacock wrote, and then there's like a bunch of other features and like Fox and Recode and all these other different places talking about Pandemic, the game. And people were like, okay, we're going to play this because it's in the news, but it's not affecting our lives. So like it's safe to play. Now you get all this like backlash. Now it's like, I don't want to play Pandemic. I don't want to play Contained. It's too real. You know, I, I just want to play like something really, you know, insane and nuts, like, you know, Arkham Horror or whatever. I know that's fake. Like pandemic feels too real to be comfortable playing. So I think now I'm experiencing with some gamers this backlash that like I don't want to be reminded of what's going on now. I, I thought it'd be a good chance at one point because we have, have pandemic legacy season two and my wife and I never got around to it. I'm like, oh, that's a good thing. We had a lot of fun with the point. I'm like, I just can't. We just don't want to like I don't want to think about it. It's in the news all the time. I have to write about it for work. Kids asking questions. I was like, ah, I'm just I'm one of those people who's that's the last thing I want to do and think about. And it's Matt Leacock's argument. If you read that op-ed he did in the New York times, which is really good, you should read it is that the game isn't about the pandemic. It's about the people coming together to fight it. Right. Which is of course what it's about. It's a cooperative game. You're trying to beat it, which is an uplifting message. It's just, you also lose most of the time. So I don't know how uplifting <laughs> it is um, when you're losing that game all the time and we're facing it now and not sure if we're, you know, I'm sure we're not going to lose like in the way you lose in pandemic, but it's, you know, at times a little depressing. So, yeah, it's a tough one for me. Yeah. And just like being in that headspace, being in the world of time, I'm in a diseased world. And like, I, I never I never I got this before um, the, the whole because I, I don't know what a pandemic is. I don't I don't even watch those movies, but the the whole mechanism of like okay you're here you think you know where the disease is going and then you hit the epidemic card and you pull a card from the bottom of the deck and oh my god uh, I didn't know Kinshasa had all this disease now where'd that come from 
and it actually kind of mirrors what happened what happened now it's like okay we, we it was in china it's like whoa how did it go to iran what <laughs> where did the where did that go? a washington now how did that happen and it was it's like it now realizing like you know because pandemic is kind of abstract like if you don't really have it doesn't have to be about disease they've taken that and like ported it over to like all these themes and all these different you know versions of it the friends of the realm is another version of pandemic that has nothing to do with you know um but it's a retains the same basic thing but because it has that theme and it's huge surprisingly close to how things are happening in real life i think people are starting to get really skittish and they, they kind of don't want to hear it and i get that and I don't want to like, I, I I want to definitely kind of acknowledge that. But at the same time, I can totally see what what Malikak is saying, where it's like I I do feel empowered. Like I'm I'm a I'm a mental health worker, and I am I'm not in the front lines, but I'm helping the front lines, and I feel really empowered by that in my real life. I feel really empowered that I'm helping nurses, and I'm helping. Um, you know, uh, uh, delivery people who are like going to people's homes and helping and helping out. I'm helping, you know, even insurance, insurance, like medical insurance people, like, and they're like the lowest form of life to me. Cause I, <laughs> I hate medical insurance, <laughs> Medicare for all, baby. Woo. Normally. Uh, so I'll say that normally it's like, okay, these are people that I wrestle with, but like nowadays it's really important that people kind of get clarity on what they can, what they can, what they can afford and, and, you know, how can they go? So I'm like, I'm talking to these people and helping them through. And, it, it, I feel really good about that. And, and even though that's like a positive way for me to engage with what's going on. And I, I guess I get that feeling in the game. You know, I get that feeling that like there is something going on and I'm, but I'm not like a victim of it. Like I, I'm in it, but I'm not of it. And I, there are things that I can do to make it better. And I really resonate with that. And I, I think like more than ever, I really appreciate what pandemic is like, you know, that the world that it opens up to do, but I totally get, Anthony's point that like that's not something I want so you know I mean that's kind of I don't know I guess you mean it mean you have to you know kind of agree to disagree I mean, you go you go ahead and you farm your cows or you do whatever you're doing <laughs> uh, yeah I mean I've always been like that though like it was it was the same thing like after the the last election and on Netflix the number one show was the West Wing because everybody wanted to like go back to this idyllic fantasy version of politics that doesn't really exist anymore and my brain, like just just a conversation my wife and I had, is like it's the opposite. I want I don't want none of that. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to deal with it outside of like what I already have to deal with. And it's kind of the same right now with everything because it's just too much. But I also understand and absolutely you know respect that other people cope in different ways. And if that is useful and helpful and makes you feel empowered, that's awesome. Which is kind of what I wanted to have you on because I feel like a lot of people do feel that way, and I don't want it just to be all negativity out there of like oh, you're being insensitive by playing this game, even though it has no impact on me at all. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's it, it's good. Like if it makes you feel better about the situation, then absolutely do it. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, yeah, and for people who don't get that, for people who don't get that, how could this game make you feel better? This too, it's in the news. Like what's a game? A game is a low stakes representation of something, of, of some kind of contest, some kind of challenge. You know, so you're entering that magic circle and the rules are different. You know, the, like the rules of life are one thing and the rules of the game are another. And when the rules of life get overwhelming for any reason, it could be this thing that's going on, but it could be all sorts of things. Like, you know, your job sucks. Or you're, you know, you're, you have hold all this debt or you have all this upsetness in your family unit or whatever. You can enter that magic circle and the rules are okay and you are okay. And you can just, you, you section yourself off and like, you know, and if you can do that in this particular space, it's almost kind of empowering where it's like, okay, I I'm, I know I'm in an alternate universe here. And in this universe, this thing that is such a pain in the butt in real life is containable. And I am an active agent helping the situation here. And when the circle breaks, I'm, I go back to my, or maybe I'll just play again, <laughs> which is what I usually do or play a different version or something. But, you know, what, but in that circle, I'm protected. And I know the rules and I can manipulate the rules and be a winner in this game. And that's just really empowering. I, I think that's awesome. Well, Jason, speaking about the game, you mentioned playing co-op, but obviously you play a lot of games solo. What way would you say or what would you suggest? I mean, how does the game play best? Uh, I mean, it depends on how you feel about Alpha Gamer. So I think that I don't think a, a discussion of Pandemic will be complete without discussing Alpha Gamer. 
I met that guy. He's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know who that is in your game group, then it's probably you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So you asked, is it better solo co-op? So the reason, a, a huge reason why this people don't like this game co-op is because it's pretty much open information. Like they tell you to hide your cards, but no, you're not going to hide your cards. You, people are going to work together and figure it out. And in Legacy, they don't tell you to hide your cards. Everybody, it's all public and open. So it is prone for one person who is the better puzzle solver or like the more experienced gamer is prone to them just telling you what to do. Like they will see it before you do. They're like, okay, you know, so let's say you're kind of one of the roles and you're kind of like doing something according to your role. And they'll say, oh, you forgot about this, about your role. You should do that, you know, because, you know, it takes more advantage of what you can do. And, you know, uh, you could go over here, but if it was, <laughs> and then it, it, you go into that whole scenario where like people just kind of co-opt your turn. And Pandemic is very, very prone to that because it's open information because of all sorts of stuff. And it, it, it almost like, you know, and then I'll see, and this happens a lot where people even do the faux pas of like moving your pawn for you, which is like an act of war to, for a lot of people. It's like, okay. no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> uh, so Matt Leacock knows. It's not like he's ignorant to this to this reality. And he says that it's not a problem. It's a gamer problem, not a game problem. And so he like, because people say, okay, pandemic is open to alpha gamer. He'll say, well, just don't be a jerk. You know, like if you if you can see the move, then shut your trap <laughs> and let wow. the game play out. <laughs> and he wouldn't say he's such a nice guy. He would never say it that way. But there's definitely like you hear him kind of respond to that question. He's done it many, many times. There's definitely an edge of like, you know what? <laughs> just just it's a behavior. Correct your behavior and you'll be fine. You know, and I'm not I'm not going to change my game for that sake. So there's a lot of games that that really do try to mitigate alpha gamer by adding a timer or adding limited information or like in Spirit Island is make it so complicated that you don't have the brain space to alpha game anybody, uh, <laughs> which I think is brilliant. <laughs> my favorite solution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I don't know, like what do you, like that's his response to that. I, and I buy it on some level and I'll say why in a second, but what do you guys think about that response to the alpha gamer problem? My my issue generally with any board game, not just pandemic, is that when a designer says that it's group dependent, I want to know who this group is and I want to play with them all the time because how is there this magical group that can play the game perfectly? And it's not the game's fault. I, I think when you build a game, if you build a game to be played with multiple people, there should be something about the game that each person can contribute. When you play Pandemic, it's, you know, it's everything is in that deck. That deck's going to either kill you or you're going to win. Sometimes you have zero control over that. And if you don't, or as you're playing the game, it's a formula. There is always a best spot or one or two situations. So, of course, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And if you leave it up to one person and they don't do X, Y, and Z, then you're going to lose because the game has a one-track mind. When you're playing with multiple people in a different type of game, you can try and do different things and build your own strategies, build your own paths, even cooperate. Like you do, like, say, for, um, you know, Fire Rescue or even Spirit Island, where you could do a couple of things. You do want to coordinate, but you could still do your own things. I just think Pandemic's a little unforgiving. It's not a bad thing, but it's still a game thing. I don't think it's a group-specific thing. Yeah, I would agree with that to some degree. I mean, I think certainly you get stuck in situations where you're playing with people who don't fit into that perfect group mold, but maybe it's just not the right game to play with those people it's hard i mean where's the balance between there's the game responsibility there's the group responsibility there's the person selecting the game responsibility how much you know the people you're going to play with so i i guess i'd agree on both counts it's kind of a more of a spectrum though than it is like any one specific thing that needs to be better i, I will say i have played pandemic in situations that it was very not fun because of this problem. And I played Pandemic in other situations where we had a blast and we were hooting and hollering because people 
understood the boundaries and worked together in the way they need to. Uh, I think the best games I've had of like the lighter co-ops like Pandemic tend to be like two players where it like you're not going to have as much alpha there. I feel like, I mean, you certainly could, but just you're playing as a, a pair, right? You're having a conversation and making a decision versus one person taking over a group. I feel like it happens more in that like four player uh, dynamic than it does with like two or even mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to respectfully disagree. I'm in complete agreement with Matt Leacock. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> well, you should because it's your favorite game. I totally get yes. that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. So I think there are many, many gamer beha- ways that gamers can make games unfun. So I'll, I'll use that. I'll use a competitive game example. So uh, in competitive gaming, there's a concept called king making where let's say you're playing a big four player game and you're losing you are clearly losing it is not you are that is you're you're done you might as well just go grab a sandwich but because of the game dynamic you have to be there so let's say you're playing a game like diplomacy uh you know something big and angry and a risk you know that you definitely comes up in like the big area control games but it happens in kind of every game competitive where you know you're going to lose. You just know it, and you're going to be there for another 45 minutes. So it's like, you know what? I might as well, because of group dynamic, like, okay, my husband is playing. I'm going to just, you know, give my stuff to him or, like, enable his victory. Like, I will attack his enemy and let him win. And people just get rightly mad at that. It's like, okay, because you're married, and that's why I can't win this game. <laughs> and, get, and people get all mad at that. So I think we have had much, much more practice as a gamer culture kind of calling that out. And being like, no, 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 don't do that. And I think at this point, there are fewer and fewer groups that engage in that behavior because it's been learned that that's not cool. So we've been playing competitive games for a century. You know, we've been playing games for very uh, uh, competitive games for a very, very long time. But we have not been playing cooperative games for that long. I mean, Pandemic came out in 2008. And then the first cooperative game, like which was Lord of the Rings Confrontation, I think, or something like that, uh, came out you know, shortly before that. And so I don't, I still think that we, I still think there's time to kind of for the gamer community to learn that alpha gaming is not cool. And the more it's called out, so like call people out, you know, don't be afraid. It's like, okay, look, you're alpha gaming right now. Stop that. And the more that it becomes a thing that to not do, the more that it, the more it won't be a problem. And the reason I kind of say it that way is because I see these games that are like, I don't want my game to be alpha gamerable. And they do all this kind of monkeying around them with the mechanics with the express purpose i don't want people to alpha game this game and it makes the game worse it makes the game more fiddly more complicated like like um next first minions uh as an example had like you know when you're setting your your it's a programming game so you're setting your thing it has a timer why is the timer in there because i didn't want people alpha gaming is there any other reason why the timer is there no like no <laughs> no get it out and make the game simpler and more fun don't give me these mechanisms that are just there to correct a problem that a that a gamer community can correct just give it enough time and enough kind of prompting the right way so pandemic is simple and i and i love that pandemic is simple we said legacy pandemic legacy was good because it's a simple engine and they built on top of it i don't want that to be more complicated just to solve a problem that groups can solve just given time. I hope that makes sense. And as far as what would you, your favorite pandemic be? Well, you got to watch my video. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. All right. No. All right. Fine. Uh, if you don't want to answer that, what game, like, let's say somebody's listening and they're like, oh, I've heard of pandemic. I've never played it. Or I played it once. I didn't like it. Which one would you recommend they give a shot first? I mean, the answer to, to both is is the same. Like, a ba- just basic pandemic. I, I love just basic, clean, vanilla. I mean, I think people kind of rebel against it. They'll say Iberia because of it's 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 a like basic pandemic, but it has more beautiful components and it has this you know uh, vibe to it that's really cool. Like, I will say, just play basic pandemic and you know, no expansions. Just like it, it it's such a for a new gamer. I still have fun just years and years down the line. I still have fun just playing basic pandemic, especially with a new group, with an advanced group that I'm still playing basic pandemic, but with some of the expansions. So like with purple cubes, which is a fifth disease or 
I think my favorite version of Pandemic, like kind of me personally, is the In the Lab expansion, which adds the sideboard and you can actually, you know, you're doing this kind of pretend mini game where not only you're just like collecting cards, but you're like, you know, mixing cubes together into like these sequences. And it's, it's hard to describe, but I think it's just so much fun. <laughs> I love In the Lab uh, Pandemic. So if you're going to like, if you want that kind of like stepped up version, and that's my favorite version, then I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with the Indolive expansion. Um, Pandemic the Cure, which is the dice game, is a really great entry point. If you don't want that bigger board, then Pandemic the Cure is a very, very underrated uh, dice game. And I, I think it gives you enough Pandemic flavor that I still play it. So if you really want something in terms of an entry point, then I would recommend Pandemic the Cure. All right, so I have defended Pandemic. I've talked about Alpha Gamer and how I don't think it's a genuine problem. I, I've, you know, talked about uh, what I love about it and why it's acceptable to play now. I, 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 on and on and on. But you, sir, threw a little bomb in there, and I'm going to need you to answer for this. So you <gasps> took a, what is that, five, six-year-old game and just besmirched Pandemic and said that this <laughs> this new game is better. So I'm going to have to have you answer for that, sir. <laughs> well. You mentioned Defend, and you mentioned Alpha Gamer. So right there, I, I think I got my my initial uh, thesis here, which is Defenders of the Realm came out, I think, back in 2010. And when I got into the hobby, I was I kind of grew up with a lot of Dungeons and & Dragons and a lot of the fantasy, high fantasy kind of themes going around there. And I was looking for a game that really embodied what a board game could be at its best. And you mentioned a lot of these things already about co-op play and about, you know, working together for a joint theme and obviously, you know, trying to bring out the best in people, but also in the actual game to kind of play that out where we are working together thematically. That's very much part of the game. If you don't cooperate, if you don't coordinate, you don't win. The problem always had been with Pandemic that the Alpha Gamer was a problem, but also sometimes, sadly, was a solution because, again, there was always a solution or a seemable solution to the deck because the deck decided whether you would win or lose. And sometimes the deck was already, you know, by fate, just put together in such a way that you couldn't win that game. I mean, it was like solitaire in a way where it was just kind of pre-written. Defenders of the Realm allows you to play an individual character that has its own set of special abilities not just one ability but multiple abilities and then throughout the game you can pick up additional abilities and as you play the game and as you move around and you defeat this darkness that's spreading like pandemic you're able to you know almost like level up your character because you have accomplished things individually by taking out bad guys from these different generals and you have a set of cards that you can play. And then when you play the cards against these different generals, you also have to dice roll. Now, most dice rolling games are kind of somewhat, you know, anticlimactic because it's just like, oh, it's up to the dice. But here, based upon the cards you play, you get a certain number of dice and based on what you're fighting, you know, what number you need is different. And that creates a level of excitement and a level of challenge and almost in a good way, randomness because, you know, or chance, so to speak, when you roll the dice that the deck itself becomes manageable because the dice play a part, your individual character plays more of a part. And the alpha gamer really isn't a situation in defenders of the realm because there is so many different things to do that you do have to do them on your own and you do accomplish things on your own. So mm -hmm. it becomes one of those games where it's a co-op, but you are playing your own game. Right. Okay. I agree with you. Like there's a lot there to mitigate Alpha Gamer. And I feel like when I was talking about games put in stuff to mitigate Alpha Gamer and not necessarily to add, I think Defenders of the Realm kind of is, is that doing that because like the dice are in there and I, I like dice, so believe me. And there's another pandemic-esque game called The Dwarves, which is, I think, a mostly German release, which is a really good game. It's pandemic with dice and a fantasy game. I'd rather play that than Defense of the Realm, to be honest with you. Defense of the Realm, 
makes the, it's long. <laughs> so long. <laughs> so long. Thank, thank goodness you haven't thank goodness you avoid sitting down with Anthony to play 18 double X because you do not know long. <laughs> but imagine tell him, Anthony. Tell him. Tell him about long. He thinks he knows yeah. long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> okay, listen. So Anthony, you, you you will know this more than anybody. So if you play a game for two plus hours, right? And you, at the end of that entire game, your entire experience comes down to a dice roll. And if you miss that dice roll, you will lose the game. How would you feel, my Euro friend? Yeah, that would suck. But <laughs> counterpoint, counter, two counterpoints. One, two hours isn't that long for any game. <laughs> kill me, kill me. Come, come on, come on. I mean, two hours. Come on. Two... One of my favorite gaming memories is actually playing Defenders of the Realm. And I'm not picking one of these or the other because I, I don't think I particularly care. I think they're both fine. So, But one of my favorite gaming memories is playing Defenders of the Realm, getting to the end of that two hours and having the dice roll matter, like me throwing the dice and it hitting. And then everybody just erupting out of their chairs and slapping each other on the back. Granted, if we hadn't hit that, that would have sucked. But we did. and It was awesome. <laughs> I mean, look, okay, look I, isn't it true that the deck can be built just again by random chance in a way that you can't win the game? Yes. Yeah. I, I, like okay. you, know, you think about like a legacy, like you, because this happened, I think it's every person who's played legacy has the story of yeah. one playthrough because you play like 12 times. So, like, the odds of this will happen where sure. the infection deck, you, you'll get like, you know, a bunch of cards come out, a bunch of disease happens. First pull of the player card, epidemic. And then all three uh, cities that have lots of cubes just like come back up again. Boom, boom, boom. And yes, <laughs> that really sucks. And then, you know, you you have to put your stickers on the board. You ruin those cities and then you kind of play again. And the game, like the, that happened to us in our game. And we were able to kind of overcome that. We did, you know, pretty well overall. So that happens early. You know, and you can reset. In Defense of the Realm, it happens late after you've built up all that stuff and there's nothing really you can do about it. I think that the game, again, it comes down to the deck of cards determining your what you're doing. You react to the deck. Whereas Defend the Realm, you do also have to react because it, it is utilizing the pandemic mechanic, but you can build a strategy of who you're going to hit, how you're going to hit them. You can decide, you can risk it. You can build up your characters with special abilities and additional cards you can build up the landscape, obviously, to be able to do additional things. It's got a, a multitude of expansions like Pandemic does, not base sets, but a number of different mini expansions that go along with the game. But I guess in the end, it comes down to when you play a board game, a lot of it is the illusion of control. You know, when we, we were just talking about 18 double X, you know, a lot of times you play some of those games and you might actually be out of the game and still have another three or four hours to go or a splatter games the same way, or even, you know, an abstract, like maybe like chess where you're stuck in a certain situation and they're just, they just got you beat and you have to play the game out. So for me playing with the dice as an additional mechanic to give you a chance, at least it's in your hands. Now, obviously the dice rolls is, you know, you have the illusion of having a power to do something, but it does have those moments where you feel like you're participating. Whereas something like you said, pandemic, you flip a card and like, oh, we're screwed. Oh, uh, that's done. Oh, and we're done. And and like you, I think we were mentioning before, like there's those personal quests that you can do. So yeah. it, there's a reward and I've, I'll give, I'll give defenders this. There's a reward for like, you know, cause you could do your side quest and they could have nothing to yeah. do with anything. And yep. nobody, nobody can boss you into that because it's your side quest. You know, if you decide you want to do it, then no one better stop you. And if you do that and then you kind of get the reward and it helps mitigate the role that you need to make, that's very satisfying. And that's very challenging. I just feel like it takes a long time to get there. <laughs> it's, Number yeah, one. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that as far as like length is concerned. If you're looking for a co op game that, you know, especially new players, the alpha gamer problem, we've been complaining about it, but there is some, some good to it where any one of us could sit down with a new group of players 
and walk them through the decisions that they have to make. So an alpha gamer is not always the worst thing in the world. Sometimes it's it's a good teacher that can walk you through the situation. Right. Uh, and then one last thing I'll say about Defenders is it's generic as all get out. I mean, you took a fantasy world and you just crapped out a random name generator like <laughs> Dagger Falls and Raven's Roost. It's like, where am I? And why are there green circles? Why is there a green circle next to a purple circle next to a blue circle? And they're supposed to represent like, okay, enclaves? No, like no rational being would like like put their enclaves all over the board interspersed with all the other enclaves. Makes no sense whatsoever. Like it's not, Look, if you <laughs> go, If you know anything about like high fantasy artwork, Larry Elmore, I mean, he's just been known for Everything from comic books, video games, magazines, science fiction, novels, probably a lot of stuff. Obviously, you know, one of his biggest claims to fame, obviously, is, you know, all the TSR stuff that he was, you know, instrumental in kind of bringing to life. So, yeah, maybe, obviously, it's a 10-year-old game. The graphic design is a little out of date. Uh, they've been talking about doing a legacy version of this, which would be great, or some sort of upgrade to the board and such. But, the artwork and you know it's you have the the piece of artwork on the board which then has been sectioned out <laughs> because they're clearly trying to save money there and they're like yeah here's the picture from the picture you know it's not a, a different picture so yeah no I, I i see the the uh the flaws of the game but again it's one of those things where it is of its of its time it's of a genre and it's got an artwork that, while might be quaint by today's standards, it's still classic. I mean, La Larry Elmore is to have his artwork in a game is just above and beyond. And, you know, especially when it's a throwback to that kind of age. You say classic, I say generic, but <laughs> I think we have made our points. <laughs> All right. So that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. This is Anthony. And this is Jason. And we'll save you a seat at the table.